Time Out Talks. Inspiring, motivating, educating. Actually, none of these things. Just a bunch of people who don't know much talking about some stuff. Kia ora and welcome to another week of Time Out Talks. I'm George Fennick. I'm, uh, I guess I'm introducing in, in lieu of Joe Hunkin who's away. We're off to a great start. Uh, Carl Pushman and Sienna Yates are over in the corner losing it. <laughs> Want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And uh, Chris Schultz. Hi. To my left. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'd like to know what's going on. Yeah, what's funny? Over here. <laughs> Just <laughs> Nothing. Let's carry on. There's com- we record this podcast in ZM Studio, I guess you call it, and there's comedy props, which have been taken from G-rated to R-rated because Sienna's got a very dirty mind. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's move on. Uh, okay, so this week, lots happening. Blade Runner's coming out tomorrow. What are our thoughts on that? Let me tackle this one. Yeah, as I'm, I've just finished interviewing four millennials about Blade Runner. <coughs> one of um, whom is standing before you. Yes, and I fear this might turn into a two-on-two millennials versus non-millennials battle but um carl back me up here for us the original blade runner is a stone cold sci-fi classic yes it's unbeatable like nothing compares to it correct no it's it's one of the most influential iconic films of all time it's just brilliant why is that it was one of the first films to really show you what the future was going to be as opposed to sort of the gee whiz star wars star trek let's zip around the galaxy having fun space adventures this was a miserable dystopian wet rainy universe that was quite dangerous and not very pleasant and that sort of seems to be the way the world is definitely heading and it just look you know aside from that kind of stuff it had questions about you know life meanings those sort of um questions on realities and non-realities a lot of different things going on looked gorgeous absolutely beautiful film has really given us that sort of cinematic sci-fi visual language and on top of that had an amazing soundtrack which did the same what really scott did visually synth maestro vangelis did you know with his audio with his soundtrack and it's one of the best soundtracks of all times it really it's very evocative sounds like nothing else did at that time so the, the whole thing conspires to be just this amazingly influential brilliant film they can't fit that on a poster but no they're not gonna. <laughs> but so this is interesting. this is short vision <laughs> this is interesting because millennials don't feel the same way i've just finished talking to four of them who all recently tried to watch the original because the sequel looks amazing it's been called one of the best films of the year early, early hypers yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty huge but millennials don't feel the same way about the original it doesn't hold up right that's what you think yeah i don't think so sienna what would you back me up on this i really wish you hadn't asked me because <laughs> i what i've seen it like but when i was a kid and now i can't remember anything about it oh, okay to the point that i thought that david hasselhoff was in it so right here we all are great start I, I actually watched it on sunday because i wanted to go to the screening at academy cinemas but it was sold out which is good that's good that people want to see it but i just watched on my computer with some friends, so maybe that influenced Which is the, the way I watched it. The yeah. exact not way to watch a film like right, Blade right, Runner. Don't do that. Your, <laughs> but almost to watch any film that you want to properly get immersed in and no, I agree know, with that. Yeah, view watching it on your laptop, what monitor, just tiny, those awful laptop speakers. 
Yeah, it was all not, your friends not talking. It was probably a sunny day. The curtains were open. The <laughs> glare was coming on the screen. We actually had been to paradise. We were Instagramming. In got some curry. Sat down. Made a little like <sighs> plate, you know, carpet thing on the floor. That sounds and great. Blade Runner. I actually really enjoyed it. So, uh, and it was at about. 8.30 p.m. And what was so what was the general re- reaction? How many people? Ah, there were three of us. Um, my friend, her boyfriend, and me. And um, we were all focused, I promise. The, the friend and boyfriend were focused as well. Um, and we all kind of tuned out a bit at, at certain it, points. And that was because we weren't watching it, you know, in a cinema, like totally immersed. But also, it just it just lost me on, at so many moments. And I... I, I there would, I just didn't quite feel like it, it hooked me as much as, as science fiction that I think is really good now does, you know. And I totally agree that, like, the the soundtrack I loved. I was obsessed with that. And the I couldn't get over the visuals. It was so beautiful. And the set design was incredible. But uh, beyond that, I was like, well, I don't really know what it's, it's trying to say to me. It's, it is a slow-paced film. And depending on which version you were watching, because there's, like, 3,000 different cuts mm. of it with varying different changes. I think we had the final cut. That's I think that's the one that the university regard as like the one to watch. But there's you know, no such like, thing as a final cut. They're constantly yeah. tinkering with it. I read somewhere that um the uh, Ridley Scott likes cut five of seven. Like how do you go about finding that? That's ridiculous. And I also think director's cuts are generally worse because it's kind of like someone like Ridley Scott, especially who is like super successful, like do we really want to give him a total control over a film that might need some severe editing you know no. but the good thing about the new one is it is directed by someone who i've really only recently come across i'm not going to try and pronounce his name denis villeneuve i think is his wow. name. wow yeah nailed it great I, I that that is a total guess i just know he's from uh french canada so i assume it's a denis not I, Dennis. i watched uh i've seen arrival loved it i watched enemy over the weekend i was absolutely obsessed i'm going to watch that again just mm-hmm. i woke up at 3 a.m just Have trying to decipher it sicario <laughs> as well I love Sicario. It was a little bit simpler, I think, than those other two films. A bit less, like, mind-boggling, right? Still had its moments, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I sure. mean, that's the thing. Ridley Scott's not making the new one. It's him. Mm. And he's got a pretty much perfect track record so far, right? Yeah, it's, I think he's going to do a good job based on Enemy. There are bits of Sicarios that look great. I didn't really like it. I found massive plot holes and just found it quite an irritating, that is true. dumb film. But Enemy was... <laughs> brilliant and just confuzzling <laughs> confounding mind the, the new Blade Runner I was interested to read the Roger Deakins is cinematography is cinematographer good England um, <laughs> and he has been nominated for Oscars 13 times wow. never won and I think people are kind of saying this could be his his winning moment his time to shine yeah because apparently it is beautifully shot just like the original but well, yeah, yeah, that's one of the criteria. If you're stepping up to make a sequel to this groundbreaking, sleep-inducing film, yeah, it's got to look. It's got to look good. It's got to. That's you know part of the rules. It has to Especially match the that. way that cinema has progressed in the past thirty-five years since it came out. You know, like we are used, to, we're accustomed to incredible CGI now and like super, you know, high def cameras and stuff. I guess we have to like be wowed over and over was it was was the first blade runner the first time that like cyberpunk dystopia had been on screen yeah well you gotta remember up until that point we'd really only had a couple of star wars films maybe close encounters had come out i'm not sure the timeline i know it, it was up against et at the box office and it got smashed mm, it didn't do e. well didn't it? Yeah. sci-fi wasn't really a thing all we had was kind of the you know 
yeah. Ewoks and the. I just want to. I just want to make a make a um a point that millennials we may be distracted and and have short attention spans, but that's not the reason I didn't like Blade Runner because <laughs> I do love a sleepy sci-fi. I Gattaca from '97, I believe. Yeah, Gattaca's great. In, incredible film, and that is that is one of those films that you 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 read on face value and you're like, oh, it's about space, but they don't go to space like until the last. Well, I shouldn't spoil it, but. They don't really go to space. It's not really about space. It's about genetic engineering, etc. And that is a slow-moving sci-fi that I thought was brilliantly done. But Blade Runner, for me, it just didn't quite get right down to the core of it, what AI stories should It is do. from a different time, like a different cinematic time. It's, it's definitely slow-paced. It's got janky kind of pacing and storytelling to it mm. anyway. Didn't they tack on a, a weird happy ending in the original cinema release? And yeah, it had a... Had a um, commentary track as well which if you, should, if you ever hear that it's hilarious also some questionable acting from Harrison Ford IMO <laughs> just just putting that, that is in. a big call because at that point he'd done American Graffiti and uh, Star Wars he was one Solo. of the biggest actors on the planet I, I like his performance in that I like that you can't really read what he's doing he's supposed to be jaded and just this beat up Cop, I, think, I think there's jaded, <laughs> and then there's giving absolutely nothing to the. the I like that because it, it adds to that cold tone that the movie's got. It's very cold and detached, and you know it's kind of the point, which is we want everything to be you know super loud and fast and explosive, and stuff's happening every two seconds. And look, Ant Man cracked a joke, and Guardians of the Galaxy are doing a little dance now, you know. And that's not what it's about. It's, mm. it's different. Ga- yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think is I think they are bad films, personally. But do you guys want to know a piece of trivia about uh, Blade Runner? It's based on a, sh- a short or no, a story by Philip K. Dick. Oh, is this a segue? This is a kind of. Are segue. you, you sitting up to segue here? This is great. I am, I am. Uh, the original name of Philip K. Dick's story that Blade Runner is based on is called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" And said Philip K. Dick. Has a new. There's a new. <laughs> Look how happy you are with us. <laughs> he is work. He is sweating for the segue. I know this is like fraying in my hands. I as wish they go we along. filmed this. George is doing a little dance currently. He's like baby Groot. <laughs> Electric Dreams. Like I'll just go straight into it. Electric Dreams is a a new anthology sci-fi series that's coming out on Lightbox next month. This month it's October already. Um, and it's by based on short stories by Philip K. Dick. There is my segue. Let's talk about streaming. <laughs> Boom. This looks so great. This slick. is kind of Black Mirror-esque, I want to say. Yeah. I've seen a trailer and Anna Pack was in one of them. They're kind of short, separate stories. One-off stories. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Twilight like Zone film kind of thing. Black Mirror. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the, uh, it's taking Black Mirror, but just like elbowing it sideways more into sci-fi and, and more into like talking about, um, I think it's probably a bit more fantastical from what I've read. Because Black Mirror is very much like a bummer. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like, oh, look at this world we live in and how terrible it is. But Philip K. Dick's, I think he plays more with like ideas about humanity and and why we are here and what realities know. and yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Anna Paquin's episode is about she she shares a consciousness with she's a cop who shares consciousness with a gamer or something like that. I can't so, imagine Anna Paquin as a cop. Exactly. Neither, although she's playing a cop in a current the in a, in, a um, in a Canadian series at the moment, so she's she's diversifying. You could say. Okay. She's a right. 1940s cop. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to separate you two? Yeah. 
Pushman's out of control with his dad jokes. I can't do it. <laughs> anyway, so that's just one of one of many shows of coming many. out in October. October. What else do we have, guys? Curb's back, of course. Curb your enthusiasm. That's not streaming. Just to segue away from streaming. <laughs> How, is it, have you seen episode one? Is it any good? It's tomorrow night. Well, okay. we're filming. The, we're filming this. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow being Thursday, it hits Soho. Can't wait. Will that be on Neon or just Soho? I'm not sure about that. I did ask and I did not get an answer. What's the What's the appeal of Curb? Because I know my older brother loves it, but I have never tried. Oh really? No. It's really funny. It's it's way to sell it, man. It's the ultimate grumpy old man, and that's pretty aren't much. There all. En- aren't there enough of those? I find it hard to relate to, but I still find it quite funny. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you, people either love it or hate it. There's no in between with Curb. You're it either was, on board, you love what he's doing, which is kind of Seinfeld to the extreme, right? Yeah, yeah, pushed out. Like a really angry Seinfeld. Um, I mean, I know people who, who would leave the room if he was on because they hate it so much, mm. a.k.a. my wife. <laughs> a.k.a. I can't watch it if she's in the house. One you got to say for the bustle thing. Yeah. And you say aren't there enough of those, but this was kind of the first one that set that template of like, we're going to have, we're going to follow your story and it's going to look like a documentary, but it's not really a documentary and you're going to play yourself, but a fictionalized version of yourself. And now, you know, you've got heaps of them, dime a dozen, but that was sort of the first mm. one to do mm. that. That's not an, counting Larry Sanders' show. That's an interesting, like, you know, conversation, I guess, is... Should we still regard the the shows and the ideas that were the first, that were kind of the pioneers of their format? Should we, if they don't quite hold up in 2017, do we still regard them as good? AKA Blade Runner, AKA Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, but then you're dealing with classics and when you mess with people's classics, they get mad. People get so mad. And these things are classics for a reason. Like there's- I hate The Lion King, just throwing it out there. Let's take this to the forums. <laughs> hate the Lion King. How can anyone hate the Lion King? I have. <laughs> do you want? Do you want me to get started? Well, I want on that? the short version. Okay. Skip to the end. Can I just? I'll preface this with: I won five hundred dollars from NZQA for writing an essay about about why I hate the Lion King. Basically, I used it as as a as an example of a wider issue. But basically, I think the Lion King um, has. Uh, well, Scar. Scar is my biggest problem with... I knew this was going to be it. I knew <laughs> it as soon as you started talking. Yeah. He's my biggest issue with The Lion King. So Scar is basically gay. He's also um, African-American and he's also British. He is just like coloured darker than all the golden, nice white lions. Um, he's got a British accent when they are all American except for him. Um, he's also super effeminate. He, he like drapes his claws of everything and he walks the real gate. He's really skinny. And he, um, you know, Zazu comes and is like, come to Simba's christening. And he goes, I'll practice my curtsy. <laughs> and it basically just, um, it, it's just a really cheap way. And Disney still does this to this day and other fil- and other companies. I shouldn't just say it's Disney, but they, you, you know, it's a lazy way of villainizing someone and it villainizes, you know, queer people, darker skinned people, British people, which I guess is, yeah, that one's fine. But. Well, no, Does, apparently the British accent plays into the whole gay stereotype. So true, it's yeah. all connected, mate. Yeah, and I mean, like, it goes further than that. There's Jafar and Aladdin. Um, there, there's Jafar and Aladdin, and there's more. <laughs> Is there Jafar and Aladdin? There's a Jafar and Aladdin. <laughs> I, I had some examples that won me $500, but I can't remember. What did you spend one. that money on? I think... Uh, Lion King t-shirt. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lion King 2? Honestly, probably just went straight into, into study probably on a hop card for getting to uni 
because I, I was a uni student the next year so I started learning how to have how to have to manage money so. I hear what you're saying but you know they put Elton John did the soundtrack so that kind of balances it out doesn't it like kind of <laughs> does it, <laughs> like does it? <laughs> or is that tokenism I don't know Elton John also performed with Eminem at one point oh bless and that's a whole other subject we yeah. probably shouldn't get into yeah anyway yeah don't mess with the classics because I've had a few people be like you hate the Lion King get out of my house <laughs> but yeah I used to love it as a child but then I then I woke up <laughs> you got no. woke yeah. Back to the TV thing. Where are we at with Stranger Things? Has it? That's is about it still, to restart. Right, but is now. it is it still like on number one on everyone's list? Are we still as excited about it as when it first came out, or has yes. it kind of dimmed a little bit? Listen, I rewatched it recently in the space of a day and a half. Are you still a fan? One hundred percent. Because I am not. What? Wow. <laughs> Get out. I feel like I'm such a hater. <laughs> this this podcast episode. I need to. I'll actually hand this over to you, Sienna. Why do you love it? For the same reasons I loved it the first time around. It's just great. It's And you know what? Also, after watching It, with that same Finn Wolfhard, Wolfhard in yeah. it, and seeing that like 80s kids dynamic, riding around on their bikes, having a good time with your friends, going on adventures, I love it. I live for that. Mm. And I like that vibe about it. Mm. I just was sceptical because, um, I don't know, I feel like Netflix, it feels like they kind of, uh, trying to capitalize on what people love which i guess is not a new thing but it's kind of like you know apparently house of cards came about because they realized people love loved political dramas and loved kevin spacey and so stranger things was like oh we love 80s sci-fi let's just do it again but that's all right though because that's ushered in this whole era i mean the 80s sort of that revival look was starting to come back and music and videos and things like that so they did it and it's good that it was done right and well because that, that kind of concept could easily have been terrible and you know in the wrong hands so they mm. they did it right the story that first season they didn't know they had a cultural phenomenon on their hands because you know that's what you always want to have but it's hard to do so mm. the fact that it exploded mm. is just great i mean i think they announced season two pretty quickly but it wasn't yeah. a sh- i don't think it was a sure thing at the, the guys time. who made it had a real tough time getting now network to pick it up so i'm not sure i buy into your theory george because yeah. they shopped that around to so many networks that netflix was the that. only one i mean it wasn't like netflix went out and made that show themselves they sold it to them once they'd got the idea on scripts together That's you're true. also kind of criticizing <laughs> netflix for doing its only job like, I mean that is true. Let's I mean, make the things people want to watch. That is literally the job of like any creator in this world is like do what you know. Entertain me. Entertain people. I so I, I I am being such a cynic, I guess. Actually, <laughs> I when I watched it, I thought it was great, and I love the theme tune. I thoroughly enjoy those synths, man. That's great. The bit that got me in the trailer for season two is the Ghostbusters packs. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all wearing Ghostbusters outfits at one point. I'm like great i'm sold i'm there <laughs> you know what else is cool did you see the posters they were making of like recreating like jaws and et and stuff they're super cool they're just around on the internet people should go look at them and you know what things like that i mean correct me Carl, but we we grew up with those kind of kids 80s movies i'm talking about goonies and stand by me yeah, you know what i mean right. that was a whole genre when we were going bandits <laughs> yeah <laughs> Going right back. I guess that's interesting because you yeah, know, kids on bikes. It's the great genre. Do you ET mm. the Sandlot? That was the jam. I used to love the Sandlot. Just me. <laughs> Sandlot. Just me. Sandlot kids. Was it not just called the Sandlot? <laughs> it might have been, been renamed. Maybe they remade it for the nineties. Yeah. Um, those present with children. Are you? 
concerned about, you know, like children, your kids' online time versus their outdoor time? Is that something that you, you know, agree is a, an issue? 100%. Yeah. Interesting. We heavily monitor that. So, because I guess that's one thing that, that is interesting is that, you know, you had, when in the 80s, you had kids on screen riding around their bikes and like being funny together and blah, blah, blah. But I guess we, until Stranger Things, we didn't really have that for this era. So maybe, maybe this revival of that kind of genre with it and stuff like that, kids are seeing that like, oh, there, there is community in childhood and we can have a community at this age. That's deep. I just don't want my kids watching the <laughs> YouTube ads because they can be horrific. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching some of those old movies with my son. I reckon it'll be cool. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, finding stuff to watch that connects with kids and adults, it's really hard. Like, it's virtually impossible. Have you taken any gambles that have gone wrong? Like, things you've taken your kids to or <laughs> shown them that just were not appropriate? Or Yeah, uh, Angry Birds. Okay. No, that was that was just bad. I mean, the, we actually had a um, fluke recently. Um, Captain Underpants uh, is one of my f- son's favorite book series. The movie's amazing. It's so good. I mean, we were going to take turns shopping. My wife and I, I'm talking about. Um, we, we weren't going to sit around there, and we ended up sitting through the whole thing, lolling the whole time. My son just sat there, thought it was brilliant. I recommend that film to anyone, though. I did read those those books as a child. Which is not long ago. The film's great. Good. Go watch it. I'm just going to pick up on your question because once when I was a kid, me and my nana decided to sit down and watch a movie and it happened to be Eyes Wide Shut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not with Nan. Nana not with did Nan. not see it coming. Is that the um, Nicole Kidman Tom Cruise one? It is, yeah. The see, one full of orgies, that one. Yeah. I yeah. watched um, I watched Borat with my oh, no. mother-in-law, my new mother-in-law. <laughs> Um, we got to the orgy scene and looked at each other and went, should we turn this off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why did that film happen? That's a question I ask. Um, should we localise things? The VNZMA nominations will be out when this podcast is also out. What are our thoughts? Who's doing it? Who's going who's gonna to do the call? Anyone got a hot take? Swill it! Come on, Sienna, you can do it better. I'm not going to do, do it. it. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> Who is leading the nominations? What it are. I'm so stoked for these guys. I feel like that album is up among, if not the best New Zealand hip hop album ever made. The production is just stunning. And I'm kind of surprised it hasn't done a little bit more. So to see them get six nominations is. Um, it's just great. Why it's, do you think it hasn't done so well if it's like one of the. Because you're not the first person to say one of the best local hip-hop albums of all time why has it not set the world on fire i local think it's been never s- does that well does it yeah it's, it's just oh, been slept on scribe I mean, would beg to differ i guess that's what you're looking back at in the 2000s right <laughs> if you're so looking at now. chart success it hasn't really done amazing things on the charts mm. but then like I've, I've seen it being picked up overseas like player of the day is just a perfect i think i said it in my review it's the perfect song to soundtrack a, a sports montage and mm-hmm. i've seen it american basketball um, highlights packages being soundtrack oh, they've got it now so I've seen okay. it kind of slowly gathering steam and I'm hoping it's going to get bigger and bigger mm. that is so cool that you know in, in 2017 when the music industry is so volatile and we don't know how to really measure success anymore that such a localised story and such a local you know group can have such an incredible like zeitgeist capturing album mm. that is so that's amazing I mm. love that 
Yep, great guys too. And and nice to see them get re- recognition from from the VNZMAs. Um, alongside, I assume, is Lord amongst the the fray? Yep, she sure is. But but I guess the thing about the music awards, it's always kind of been dominated by one particular artist, and this year it's spread a little bit yeah. wider. I yeah, feel. which is nice. I, I, I like that. Um, we've got you know the Nadia Reeds and and Aldous Harding and Phaser Days each have quite a few nominations, I believe. Yep, which is cool to see the, you know the, the flying nun kind of thing happening still. There's a there's a young guy seen as quite fond of too right takes yeah i'm obsessed with that guy <laughs> it's fine i'll say it out loud hand on heart she <laughs> says <laughs> no i think he's great his voice is just it's amazing crazy but he, how many what's he done so far just one ep just one ep and it only came out in june and it's mm. kind of just been everywhere ever since he mm. sounds much older than the 20 23, 23. he's 23 <laughs> has he not already been a maori teacher and he's already yeah he's 23 and he's already got he was you know, teaching Tadeo Māori at uh, AUT, I think, and then suddenly now he's a he's a low key superstar. Yeah, that freaks me out. Like, yeah, I'm only a year <laughs> what are you doing with your life, George? Well, I mean, who knows? Helming a podcast, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the great thing that it really shows, especially those younger artists, is last year was pretty bleak for New Zealand music. There weren't a lot of albums released. What were the big ones last year? Yeah, was it exactly. we made a broods, hmm? I believe. Broods, yeah. I think. Oh, broods. But, um, conscious, right? Isn't it? So so yeah. memorable. And this year we've had we've had those big albums. We've had the Lord, um, and we've, but we've also got everything across the range. Like well, Twitter, should, should we make some calls? Right? Album of the year. You've got Aldous Harding, David Dallas, Phaser Days, Lesha, Lord, and Swidit. Who's Ooh. your Who's your pick? Chris, you go first. It's got It's got to be Lord, doesn't it? It's gonna Yeah. It surely. has to be. That album is from top to tail. Are you saying you think stunning. it will win, or or you want it to win? No, I, I want Swidit to win everything. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel probably Lord deserves it for coming back with a second album that um, it is a great album yeah. like I know everyone's kind of sick of it and they're like oh obviously it's going to be Lord but she she does deserve it it, it is, is good a, it is a very excellent album I agree I think I'd like to see Aldous Harding get some mm. recognition that that album is not it, it's very hard to market because it's quite niche and it's quite confronting um, but it's an excellent album and she's an incredible writer and singer so yeah it feels like just the fact that it's even there is amazing because mm. it, it is a challenging album especially compared to something I guess they're all quite none of them are really that accessible if you break them down I mm. suppose mm. but that one's a particularly challenging album um, mm. it's great but the fact that it's even there is pretty astounding and a pretty great achievement for mm. her I think I don't, I don't think it'll win when are the awards? Do we know? November? Yeah. Sometime? November. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, we can only... What do we do again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're entertainment reporters. Good job, guys. Right. <laughs> We're on top I'm of it. I'm sure we can find that out as soon as possible. Uh, but on that note, we can just... We'll have to bide our time and see. Thank you for joining us. Any last parting words? I feel like you were going to do a Susie Cato just now. Like, kaki te ano. <laughs> that would have been so good. <laughs> I met Susie Cato last year and, man, starstruck. That was great. Susie Cato is out then. Yeah. Good. No, I'm not going to, actually. <laughs> I was going to, but then I just figured, no, bad idea. Anyway, thank you for joining us. See you next time.